The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello and welcome to CPR Unplugged. My name is Jess. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, thanks for joining us. I'm glad you're here. Today I am joined by Chris. Hey Chris, welcome. How you doing? Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, we're so glad you could join us today. So I'm going to kind of leave the floor open for you. Feel free to introduce yourself however you would like, and then we'll jump right into your story. Okay, awesome. Yeah, my name's Chris, and I'm a person of uh, long-term recovery, and I've been sober since October 8th, 2011. And that's the gist of me. So you're coming up on 10 years of recovery then this year. I am. I just celebrated nine years last October. Man, that is an accomplishment. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about your road to recovery. What what uh, started you on that road? You know, I uh, I've dealt with uh, alcoholism and addiction since I was probably 15 years of age, and um, just kind of progressed, 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 and there was always a a time and a milestone in my life, which I said I would, you know, stop using, right? I was young, so I drank and I got high, you know, and when I got married, I was going to stop that, right? And then it didn't stop. And then there was a milestone of having kids and that milestone, you know, what wasn't, wasn't met. I kept on using and, you know, I've been married, thank God for 25 years. And uh, I now have adult children, but when I got sober, my kids were 16 and and 13. And so, you know, they got to witness the discomfort and lack of harmony in the house for sure, to to put it nicely. My wife had finally had enough and I ended up uh, falling out in front of my daughter and my wife and they thought that I had died and I ended up in the hospital. And, you know, my wife, uh, God bless her at the time, I was like, how could she be doing this? But she, 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 left me in the hospital bed and said, I'm done with you, you know, and I, and, and we got separated for a little bit. And, um, you know, I thought my only hope to get back in, in with my family was to, you know, stop using drugs and alcohol. And I had no idea how to use, do that. And, um, I was introduced to inpatient recovery, uh, program and, uh, you know, I connived my way out of that and did an outpatient program. And um, I didn't stay sober during that time. And it wasn't until after I falsely completed the program that that I got that I got sober. But, you know, people say you got to do it for yourself. And, and eventually you do have to do it for yourself. But whatever gets you in the door, right, it was my family and the, the, the want for me. Um, to have my family back in my house in my life that got me in the door and and at some point in time that transitioned to where whether I have my family or not I have to do this for me and so I got just busy you know they they threatened to throw me out of the program and uh I uh they said you have to start you know if you get a sponsor you have to go to some meetings you have to do the the the, the 12 steps of of whatever anonymous you're involved in. And so I went to a meeting and that night I, I got a, I got a sponsor and he was not the, the sponsor that I had envisioned myself with by any means. And so what I've learned is that really doesn't matter, right? It's, 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 you know, 
your mentor, your sponsor, whoever to administer, you know, the medicine, right. Which in, in the room for recovery is the 12 steps. And he knew how to do that. And, uh, you know, I went through the steps and, and got involved uh, heavily in, in service work and meetings and, you know, my life slowly, but surely started coming back together, you know? And so I've stayed one, one thing that, that has been consistent in my life is it, it for the last nine years is going to meetings, having service commitments, whether it's, you know, through H and I hospital institutions or sitting on a, a committee and then working with other people, carrying the message. That's, uh, that's been the recipe for me. I'm glad that you went through sort of those steps that there's no single path and there's no straight path to recovery for a lot of people. Um, it's kind of finding your way. You know, you had mentioned when you're in the hospital, you didn't even know how to go about recovery. And I think a lot of people find themselves in that place where for whatever reason, they're in a tough spot, they, their hearts in it. And they're like, now's the time but they don't know what the next step is to take. What would your advice be for someone that's in that space where they want to, but they just don't know how? You know, kind of alluded to that when you opened up and you said, hey, there is no straight path. And and the 12-step program is definitely doesn't have the monopoly on, on recovery. I know people that have done, you know, other things. That, that just happens to be my path. And so, you know, I tried for years because I didn't want to use and I didn't want to drink anymore and I didn't want to be the person I was, but I just, it just wasn't happening and reach out for help wherever that is, you know, reach out for help and get that, get that secret out. And, and, you know, cause it lives in the darkness, man. And once you bring that to light, you know, somebody, my experience is that somebody's going to be put in your path, right? I mean, if it's your parents, you tell, if it's your Co right if you can get it out to the more people you can get it out to somebody's going to be placed in in your in your life that's going to turn you in the direction that you need to go whether that's a 12 step program or, or a variety of the other stuff that they have so reaching out for help you know which is which is hard if that's looking on the internet uh, I did that many times right I took a, a self-test to see if I was a drug addict and alcohol many times and and uh uh, unfortunately I answered every question, right. And then I would take another test going, that can't be true, you know? And so I think the key is just to reach out for help, right. Which is, is the, the, the big weight that's got to be lifted. Nice. Well said. You had mentioned service work as a part of your recovery, would you be willing to talk a little bit more about that? For sure. So, you know, when I first started out down, down my path to recovery, you know, my service work was, isolated to recovery related stuff, right? Like I said, uh, you know, I sat on some committees, retreat committees and convention committees. Um, I helped uh, open up uh, a, uh, a recovery hall that's still running today. And, uh, you know, what that's what that looks like in my life as I stay sober is somehow I got, during this pandemic, I got uh, involved, a, a friend of mine and I founded a place called uh, helping hands for the Navajo nation. And, and we've, uh, we've delivered, we're not exactly sure, but it's upwards of a million and a half pounds of food to not only the Navajo reservation, but the Apache reservation. And then that segued into doing some, some local stuff. And so 
whatever that service work is, it's all, it's just helping others, right? Anything that you can do to help somebody else that's not benefiting you directly um, is service work. And so, um, you know, a lot of the stuff, some of the stuff that I do now is outside of the rooms of recovery. Nobody knows, um, you know, we don't go publicizing that, hey, we're in recovery. You know, we just go out and, and, and do the things um, that, that we feel have been placed in our life, life to do. And so getting out of yourself, somebody told me, and I don't know if it's, it's I say it's proven scientifically, right? And, and I believe it is that, you know, the same chemicals that are produced in, in, in your brain that you get from using drugs, from sex, from doing adrenaline sports and stuff like that um, are produced when you help others, you know, when you, when you go do this type of stuff. And um, I can tell you that um, that's the feeling that I get, you know, I got introduced to service work when I was probably seven days sober. They told me go work at this spaghetti dinner thing. Right. And I did, and I've worked it every year since then. And I just sat back there and I just cooked and I served people. And I felt so good when I left there and I was so new to recovery that the next morning I felt like I was hung over. And I, so I called my sponsor up and I said, Hey, I don't know what's going on. And he goes, man, you're, you're hung over. You got, you got, you got juiced up and then the juice is worn off now. And, and so my suggestion is to get back there and be of, of service and help, help people, you know, today so that you can continue that feeling. And um, you would know more than I, cause you're in the industry, but it, it would appear to me like that is a true statement that the chemicals produced in your brain uh, from being a service to people are, are some of the same chemicals that are produced from using drugs and sex and all the other fun stuff in life. So talk to me a little bit about your experiences with the relationship between mental health and recovery. Yeah. So I, I, I was diagnosed uh, bipolar and, and uh, clinically depressed. And, uh, you know, I deal with, I dealt with uh, severe, severe depression and panic attack style anxiety and I would I would uh, these things would come over me you know and the, the 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 depression would creep up on me right but the anxiety would jump on my back like right now and so you know there's many a times that I'd call my wife and go I gotta go to the doc I gotta go to the doctor you know and so I'd go to this psychiatrist that you know, would beg me to go. He called it the hospital where he wanted me to go was the mental institution. And I somehow evaded that all the time. And he would give me a medicine and I would take the medicine and I continued to use drugs and, and alcohol. And so, you know, there's so many advertisements for, for these different, uh, you know, depression meds and stuff. And I'd see a new advertisement and I'd go, oh, this is this my medicine doesn't work i need to try that you know because i'd see the guy climbing out of the hole or you know whatever they portrayed and so you know it was always the medicine that wasn't working and um you know i wasn't truthful with my with my healthcare provider and the fact that you know i i used drugs and alcohol like i did um i didn't think it had, could be anything to do with that and so um, he would prescribe me a medicine and I'd take it and, and, it, and naturally it wouldn't work. And so that cycle went on till, till I got sober. And it wasn't until I got sober that I was able to kind of address those things at the same time, but, but separately, you know, um, and for once in my life, uh, you know, the problem with, with the uh, mental health medicine is that 
you know, some, it takes a while for it to get in your system. It's not like your Xanax or, you know, I mean, it doesn't work like right now. And I think when you, when you're in that position, you're looking for a right now, you know, and uh, I don't think there is a right, a sustainable right now solution for mental health. And so, you know, part of the problem that I had and that I see other people has is they take this medicine and, and that particular medicine doesn't work. And you, you don't know that until two weeks down the road. And then you go back to the doctor and you say, hey, that medicine's not working. And then you get another medicine. And then it takes two weeks for that to get going. So, you know, my journey probably was, you know, several different medications and a couple months of, you know, just pushing, pushing through it, you know, um, to find uh, what ultimately has, has has worked for me for for nine years, and you know, not only does the uh, you know for me because I've tried to do my program recovery only and not do the medicine, and 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 it's not good. Um, and then I've tried to only do the medicine and not my program of recovery, and 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 it's not good. And so um, for me, those things in conjunction um is is my recipe for you know success um and when i say success it's just not you know for me success is not wanting to kill myself every day you know for sure yeah i know there's a stigma sometimes in the recovery community about using any kind of mind-altering substances and there could be an argument made that mental health um prescriptions even though they're prescribed medications could be seen as a, a substance and how do you feel about that yeah that's 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 dangerous territory and i i've dealt with that uh i dealt with that personally and and you know when the day was all said and done you know the people there are people that definitely feel that way um and that's dangerous to listen to those people because those people probably don't deal with mental health um and for them their path to recovery and sanity only required, you know, the, the, the program recovery and no, no uh, medication. Um, and so, you know, definitely if somebody's out there telling people that I encourage them um, to not listen to that um, and talk with somebody that's actually dealt with chronic uh, mental health problems, you know, cause I think everybody gets, a little depressed from time to time and there's a difference between that and 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 deep clinical depression right and i think everybody you know is anxious a little bit you know and can say well i, I deal with anxiety and it's like well yeah but do you feel like you're having a heart attack and and you just can't get over it right you know that's a that's a different kind of anxiety and so the stigma is out there and um you know i think it's out there inside and outside the rooms of recovery and I think it's 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 deadly either way to listen to advice like that. You know, people take their own lives, people in back back up in the mental hospital, or they just live depressed and 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 which is maybe the worst of it all to just live with that and not have a solution for it. And so my suggestion if somebody's telling you that to, would be to talk to somebody else and and don't don't listen to them and and there is literature that was published a long time ago, you know, in 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 the rooms of recovery that says, hey, don't, you know, we're not doctors. Um, and so if you're needing something like that, consult with your doctor. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's a, a mind altering substance. You know, there's 
there's if it if it if it keeps a needle out of your arm or a bottle out of your mouth and and you don't want to kill yourself every day i think that's a good thing what helps you maintain your recovery now for me it's just you know i continue to 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 practice the steps i pray i meditate meditation super super key um for me and real quick i'll kind of kind of jump off off track here but when i was in treatment um, this lady said something so profound to me. She was my counselor. I was in there one day talking about how I'm, my anxiety was high and my depression was just uh, on, you know, on me. And uh, she she was barely listening to me because she was like, I don't, you know, great. I hear that all the time. Um, I'm here to talk about the solution, right? And she said, "Do you know where what you know? Do you know what depression feels like?" And and I said, "Of course, you know." And she said, "Do you know what anxiety feels like?" I said, "Absolutely." And she said, "Do you know where it comes from?" I said, "No." And she said, "You know, depression is nothing more than thinking about the past, and anxiety is nothing more than thinking about the future." And here we're going to try to focus you on here and now. Um, and here and now there is no depression there is no anxiety you know and so through meditation I can bring myself back to right here right now and if I can stay present in the moment there is no depression and there is no anxiety because it doesn't live there you know nothing's really changed for me in the last nine years I do the same things I did when I was a week sober as I do now this was just awesome thank you for sharing all that with us what was it like rebuilding the relationships with your family yeah that's a tough that was a tough one you know I was you know the shame and the guilt of the way that you'd lived and the way that you've treated your your significant other and the things that you know my kids witnessed as a result you know once you become coherent you know those things are just like glaring you know, and it took me a while, you know, one of the steps in the, in the recovery process I'm in is, is, is the amends, you know, and I made amends to a lot of people. Um, but somehow I just couldn't bring myself to, to make them to my family, you know, and, uh, just cause I was so full of shame and, and guilt. Right. And, and some time had passed and life started getting better and I didn't want to dig up the past and, um, you know, I saw, man, my relationship with my wife and my kids today is just incredible, right? These are people that hated me and didn't want to have anything to do with me. And, um, you know, just yesterday, I got a call from my son uh, wanting advice, you know, and, and when I get a that's call, gotta like, be when I get a feeling. call like that, that's just, that's just incredible. I remember when I made amends to my son, you know, and, um, he, I had told, I had got, got my pitch out to him and told him, you know, I was sorry. And, and for all the thing, you know, list of all the things that I had done. And he abruptly stopped me. He says, you done? Is it my turn yet? Is it my <laughs> turn yet? And I was like, oh yeah, well, I was getting to that point. And, uh, you know, he broke it down for me. What, what, uh, what it was like, you know, and, and periods of his life that I had ruined and stuff. And I, I, you know, we were, both crying like babies by this time he was probably crying because he was so mad and I was crying because I was so um hurt and ashamed you know and I remember you know after we got done talking I just kind of needed to get to somewhere and so I went in my bathroom and I looked in the mirror and you know I got the the snot running down my nose just this bad bad crying episode going on and I remember looking in the mirror and going what are you doing why are you even 
trying to make this right. You can never, ever make that right, you know? And that was, you know, call it what you will, right? You can call it disease, you can call it the devil, you can call it whatever you want, right? But that was the the, the voice inside me that doesn't want me to, to get better, right? And, and it was telling me that all this is a waste of time. You know, I'm a year, year and a half sober and all this is a waste of time because what that kid just told you, doing what you're doing will never make that right. And that was the farthest thing from the truth, right? And I continue, thank God I didn't listen to that voice inside me and I continue down my path of recovery. And, you know, today my relationship with my son is, uh, is, uh, is, is incredible. I look for things that I can do um, with him in common. We went riding bikes the other day and, uh, you know, I can't even tell you the feeling I got, you know, when I'm riding down the canal with him and we're just talking and it's, it's the, I got chills just telling you, man, you know, that's how I rate my success, um, you know, by the quality of my relationships, you know, it has nothing to do with the zeros in my bank account, the car that I drive, it has to do success for me. And at one point in time, my success was based on that. Um, and that's a, that's a, that's a dog chasing its tail, you know, cause if that's how you rate your success, you'll never have enough money. Your car will never be cool enough. Your girlfriend will never be hot enough, whatever the case may be. Um, and so, you know, I've changed what I rate my success by, you know, and it's the relationship, you know, it's, it's how I, it's, it's my interactions between everybody. You know, how do I treat people? Um, you know, and today I can say that my, my, my employees might tell you different, but, um, but today I think I treat people, you know, a lot different than I did, did before. And, and as a result, I sleep, sleep well at night. That is some powerful, impactful stuff. What advice would you give families where they have someone in the family who's like in early stages of recovery? We have a, we have the, a book, you know, it's, it's an Alcoholics Anonymous book that we read and there's a chapter in there called the family afterwards. And, uh, you know, the guys that are following the 12 step program, I say, read this with your, with your, with your wife, you know, read this with your kids. And it's uh, it's crazy how it's just a, a guide to what's getting ready to happen. You know? And I think a lot of times we've been, you know, like I said, we beat our families, you know, down so bad. Right. And then, and then, you know, when you, when you start to recover or you from whether it's drug addiction or alcoholism or your mental state, I think, you know, there's also this euphoric thing that comes over you, right? Because you're so excited that you've, you know, you're, you're on the path and you're doing good and you feel good. And I think a lot of times they call it, you know, riding the pink cloud, you know, and, and your family is going, well, why the hell couldn't I give you those things? You know, because um, a lot of times family doesn't understand, you know, addiction and alcoholism and mental health. Um, and so, you know, at some point in time, they're going, well, why, why wasn't I enough? You know, why wasn't why wasn't the reason that I was going to leave you enough to keep you sober? Why wasn't the pain that you were inflicting on our kids mentally or, or physically? Why wasn't that enough um, to uh, to uh, to get you sober, you know? And so, you know, while you start feeling better, I think there's a period of time after you, after you start uh, recovering that, um, you know, it's almost worse for your family. You know, here you are, you're, you're, you know, you've turned this new leaf over and, and, and they're trying to, 
you you have a, a if you if you're fortunate enough to have developed a support group you know where you're getting the help you know a lot of times and there are support groups for fa families but a lot of times the family's uh, mentality is i don't have a problem it, you had the problem mm -hmm. and they don't understand that you know mental health and drug addiction and alcoholism affects everybody around you right and it's possible if you've dealt with it for for as long as my family did with and a lot of families deal with the family's going to need some support too mm -hmm. and you know um sometimes they'll take the help and sometimes they won't and and whether your family gets the help or or not that shouldn't be you know contingent upon how your recovery goes and so you know i don't know if there's one one rule i know that the family's gonna gonna go through some changes and i know that you know i can speak from 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 the other side of the fence from the side of the fence of the of the alcoholic addict you know mental health person a lot of time i i just had to keep going my wife you know was getting frustrated that i was gone you know part of the problem is you know when you're out there using drugs and alcohol and 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 you know off on some mental tangent um you're gone, you know, you're gone. And, and then, and then you get sober and then you're supposed to be going to these meetings and meeting with these people and you're gone. And for your family, gone is gone. They don't decipher between I'm gone because I'm doing good things and I'm gone because I'm doing bad things. Gone is just gone. You know, and so I had to, I had to work through that. Right. And I had to just tell myself that I was going to stay this course and sure. My wife would go, you're always doing something recovery related. You're always doing something recovery related. And, you know, I got a little runway now. I could probably miss a meeting or two. Um, and so if I've been out of town for a weekend without my wife, I tell her on Monday, you know what, I'm just going to come home. And because uh, I haven't been spending time with you, right? And she'll go, the hell you are. You're going to get to your meeting, right? Because after, <laughs> after, after, after so much time of doing this, she sees how it not only benefits me, but it benefits our relationship. It benefits everybody around me. So, you know, there's going to be some, some, you know, just because you get sober and start feeling good, you know, the, the time that you, uh, that your family takes to recover is, I don't know what that formula is. I do know this. I know that we beat people down and, and nobody trusts us, you know, and I don't know what the formula is for gaining trust back in terms of a time period. Um, but a friend of mine says this, he says, right actions over time he writes a little formula and he said right actual right actions over time equals trust you know and so i don't know what that time frame is i know that the rebuild period to rebuild trust and and you know respect is a long time and there's a lot of work um that has to be gone with it you know so you know i will say this i remember i was nine months sober and my my people weren't coming around like i thought they should right here i was doing this stuff you know and and i went to a, you know a guy that i was talking with a lot and i said man i don't know if i can do this you know here i am i'm doing all this great stuff and he looked at me and he said you sob you're such a selfish bastard if you think that in nine months you're going to repair um, at the time I've been with my wife for 16 years, you're going to repair 16 years of damage. You're, 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 you're mistaken, my friend. So um, it's a long road, stay the course. Um, and my experience is, you know, it's not all the time, but my experience is that, you know, it, I've seen 
people get sober and, and, and work in a program, whatever that program may be, I've seen it heal a lot of deep, deep wounds and, and, and repair families that were far more damaged in my Awesome. Man, thanks so much. This is great. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been an honor. There's been a lot of uh, really good insight and perspective that you shared with us today. I guess with that, I think I'm going to go call my dad when I get off of this, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, give him a shout. Give him a shout. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us today. It was really, it was awesome. Awesome. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it. Got questions or ideas for the podcast? Or perhaps you have your own story to share. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery.com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcast. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR podcast team includes Tamara Lamontine, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magarinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support.